All right, guys, welcome back to the Live Loud Life Podcast. My name is Dr. Antonio Goulet, your host, and today we have Dylan Moralia on the show with us. Uh, I asked multiple times to make sure I got the name right. I'm going to let Dylan introduce himself, uh, talk a little bit about uh, who he is, what he does, so on and so forth, and then we're going to get into some valuable content for you guys, okay? Awesome. Thanks for having me here. Uh, so I'm Dylan. I lived in Colorado for about three years now and loving every single year out here. Uh, as soon as I came out here, I started running more and that's when my passion for obstacle course racing started. So I became an athlete and trying to pursue that sort of career. I've been training people along the way for 10 plus years and now what's new is um, into firefighting. So I'm currently going through a firefighting academy and working at the volunteer agency pretty much a few doors down from me. So, yeah. So we're currently up here in the, the mustache dojo, which was established. I well, it's 2021 <laughs> now established in 2019. Um, but he's got a sweet gym here. So it was pretty cool. Cause I got to see the gym. Um, we connected through Instagram, uh, just, you know, looking for local trainers in the Boulder County area. And, uh, obviously I love what he does. He's a, you know, he, he does follow what's your, what's your handle on Instagram again? Dylan Moralia. Dylan Moralia. Just, just as, as it is. And we'll put that in the show notes too. So you don't have to try to figure out how to spell it. Um, but like when you see his Facebook or his Instagram page, you'll see like all the crazy cool stuff he does crazy strong. And you have, is, is your brother, your twin? Yep. Okay. Identical twin brother. So we're always super competitive. So there's something he's doing. I have to try to do it better or faster. Yeah. It's crazy. Cause I, I mean, it looked like identical twin, but I had to make sure cause yeah. you know, some brothers <laughs> just being a year apart, it might be, and they, it's like a split image, but it's really cool. Just seeing all the cool, uh, races that they've done and just how freakishly crazy strong these guys are too. Um, what did, um, was it your brother who did the five minute mile and the 500 pound deadlift? Yeah. So I called him one day cause I had, I wanted to do the same thing like hey mike like i want to do the five and five all under the same clock and he's like oh, i already did that it's like no, no 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 i want to do the five and five like under the same clock like you lift 500 pounds run the mile and it has to be under five minutes it's like oh that's cool and like, we'll start training for it uh and unfortunately i got called out to two wildland deployments so i lost four weeks of training and then came back and he was like he was already fit to do it so he went out and got it and uh he had an incredible time like 448 or something like that damn that is insane uh so are you planning on doing it this year uh well he already did it so the only way i could even outdo him or do something better was i'd have to do a squat and then run uh right now i'm actually trying to build up my uh squat weight so i could do the 500 pound squat into the mile damn man that's crazy (laughs) (laughs) that's so so what would it so you basically you warm up and then clock starts you do your one rep and then you just as soon go. as you touch the bar clock starts yeah okay. do one rep and run dang that's super simple super yeah super simple guys <laughs> you know no worries about it. so uh and and so the wire um you got called out to the wildfires for colorado yeah i got called out to the pine gulch fire in colorado and also the uh what was it the cameron peak fire how did i mean obviously so for those of you who don't know like colorado had some nasty fires this past year on top of you know it was like basically apocalyptic 2020 uh had the fires and everything else going on what was it like was it i mean we only see from a surface level but what's it actually like from uh, i guess the question is from you from like a capacity and strength standpoint like being out there in the field of like actually doing that stuff so when i first got the call and they give you a pager and if your pager goes off you have to get to the station within like two hours so it's super old school they give you a pager and like they definitely got this repossessed from a drug dealer or something. <laughs> but you get the page and they go out. It's like, oh, cool. I'm going to go on the Cameron Peak Fire, which it was the number one in Colorado at the time. And you get out there and you're like, 
usually it's a lot of work and you're working 16 hour days. But for me, like I, w- I was getting untrained. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like yeah. The amount of work that you were doing there is like, oh, I, I had this other goal where I wanted to deadlift and run and I was just getting weaker and slower. Yeah, yeah. But to be there was like a surreal experience. You get to go places where normal people just don't get to go and you see abnormal, insane fire behavior. So on that part, it was cool. Yeah. Like crazy learning experience too, coming from you, obviously you being newer and going through the fire. Yeah. The volunteer so every system, day was like, a training day. Every day was learning something new and seeing something you haven't seen before. And to see like a pyrocumulus cloud go up right in front of you and see how large they actually get is like, it's just unreal. So the whole experience was awesome. But in terms of a strength term for athletes in general or people who are super fit like you go out there and you're like you get a little untrained yeah yeah but But you're hiking mountains a lot or you just being drove around mostly uh i mean you're hiking a lot and you're being driving uh driven around but still it's nowhere it's just the same capacity as what i was doing beforehand so what what i wanted to chat with you about today and share a little bit more with you guys is the more of the ocr and obstacle course racing and different things like that which is you know which seems to be your jam fun stuff the fun stuff um how many how many races have you competed in what's that been like as far as like your career going through those what are the different and also share a little bit about the different ones because like i've only done a handful but they're they're building as we discussed earlier there's a couple different people that are putting on the races what are some of your favorites what are the ones have you done how many Um, comps have you done i started in i don't know 2015 doing spartan races maybe 2014 and and that's kind of when it like first when did they start was it like 2013-ish? 2014, it was definitely picking up. Like you had people more serious about it because um, there was just bigger athletes doing it at the time, and that's when it started to build. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I know Hunter was around in 2014, and that's when uh, there were a few other big names racing then. Um, but when I first started, it was Spartan races, and I didn't know any better. And they had the stadium series races, which were only like three miles, and that's what I'm suited to. If it's a shorter distance race, I can probably be a little bit more competitive versus these supers or ultras or yes yeah. i just i don't have the lung capacity for that <laughs> half marathons yeah no, thank you um but yeah i started off in the spartan race series and i was doing pretty well i came top 10 uh for like two years in a row and from there i was looking at other races that there was going on and that's when tough mutter sparked up this crazy mile insanity idea where it was a one mile race with 10 obstacles and 10 crossfit style lifting stations and I'm like oh this is like perfect for me because i could run not as fast as all the runners, but I could run pretty fast and I could lift. So Yeah, knock out the heavier stuff. But it's funny, like they advertised this event as, oh, this is a one-mile race. So you go on their website, you see, oh, they have a 24-hour race, an eight-hour race. They do like a 10-mile race, and then they have this, oh, one-mile race. So if you're just the average Joe on their uh, website, yeah, yeah. you're like, oh, yeah, I'll just sign up for this one-mile race. It's super easy. <laughs> and this was like the hardest race like they ever put on because you're just bleeding lungs the entire time. Did a lot so, of people fall out from that, or did yeah, most so people just crawl away? Yeah, so the first event that you obviously see people that aren't runners are showing up to this event thinking, oh, this is a one-mile easy <laughs> event, and they're getting time-capped out of the first lifting station because they're making you lift heavy, heavy weights, and people yeah. didn't understand this. Um, but that was probably by far one of my favorite races just because one-mile race, super fast, and you get to run it more than once in a day. Yeah. Because if you go into the championships, you're racing three times. Oh, so so it's like a – oh, so it's not so just a – There's a bracket, one. yeah. So oh. it's you're, go, you're going, then you go to the semifinals, and then you go to the finals. So how many times did you end up running it? Uh, three times was the championship race. Did you – did your time maintain, or did you end up 
getting... so they switched the course slightly like the second uh, time okay. they made maybe the back heavier and then the third time they made you do different reps or like they switched up the movements where you weren't going to have the same time yeah yeah, and gotcha. it might take a little bit longer interesting that's that's cool i didn't i did not know they had that one that's that's pretty fun so i've only done i've done the you can you guys can hear that garage or the uh garbage truck in the background picking up something or is that the heater? Might be the heater. Oh, uh, that might be the heater. The newest addition to the dojo. The dojo, yeah. It's so that's I avoid working out in our gym. A, our garage has some like gaps around the edge, so it just gets like too cold. So I, I got my little kettlebell corner <laughs> in, in the in the living room to keep them warm. So that's good because coming in here in the cold is not hard. Lifting the kettlebells, the barbells, it's just not fun. Yeah, it's and and that's and one well, A like I, I my garage now is there's like a stroller, there's a rower, there's uh, a power. <laughs> car so to actually get to some of the stuff you're like crawling over a bunch of stuff nice. and so I, I got my corner inside we both use that it works out super well uh oh, i was gonna say oh so we did i've done two spartan races they were fun but it was it was almost too many people where it was just like bottlenecked for a lot of the right. events um which you know which wasn't bad it was fun seeing a lot of people there but man they were long both of ours were the half Okay. the half marathon one so okay so you did like the super or the sprint or beast yeah so it was like squaw valley and i can't remember the other one but squaw was squaw valley and tahoe was super fun but it literally was just like it was like 13 mile hike and then every mile was like an event <laughs> which was pretty cool but by the end of it you're just like man i'm ready I'm done. that's the thing if you're like a somewhat runner and you want to do a spartan race like sign up for an elite heat or sign up for the competitive heat because then there's gonna be that less bottlenecking and people just going there to walk and do the course in itself yeah it like was that's the hugest thing that was the, that was by far the that was the only frustrating part about it which was cool though so what um so i am not an endurance athlete but you work with endurance athletes i would would you consider yourself like like an endurance athlete doing some of no. those no <laughs> I, I run sometimes like an endurance athlete but it's yeah so you're more about the sprint so being that there are different events shorter more powerful events longer more endurance events how does i mean obviously i mean we can make a general assumption about how the the training will change with that but when you're training people for ocr racing how do you approach those things differently? differently obviously dependent on the individual and what their what their hang-ups are but what's kind of like your focus and goal okay we got the short sprint heavy power what are some of the things that you're focusing on endurance what are you focusing on so uh the big thing to notice is with spartan whether it's the sprint or whether you're doing the beast there's no like short power burst things like everything all the obstacles are the same so they're not there's nothing that spartan does where oh you're gonna have to lift some heavy weights there's nothing that we yeah, really yeah. do. Like if you're only a runner, yeah, you might have some struggle with some of the strength aspects of it. But all in all, if you're an average trained athlete, you're going to be fine strength-wise. So there's nothing different to work from a sprint to a beast. You're still doing the same kind of easy mileage and still getting your track workouts to change. That's pretty much it. So the focus is more on your capacity and endurance to go faster for a longer period yeah, of time. Yeah, the focus would be – highly on improving your speed as a runner and obviously strength is going to help that so your strength is going to be the same programming whether if you're doing a spartan sprint or a spartan beast and 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 so the the strength in in that setting obviously person dependent are there you just kind of focus on big the big lifts like deadlift squats those types of things or are you more of a fan of uh, being that that's you're not you're not doing those heavy lifts do you focus more on maybe non-traditional sandbags kettlebells things like that yeah no uh I'm a huge proponent of like traditional lifts, deadlift squat, if the person's able to do that. And then with that, it's a lot of uh, 
explosive training and plyometric training that we'll do. I'm huge into that because that's going to make you a faster runner. Yeah. Okay, good. What are some of your favorite plyometric stuff? I mean, like I'm just thinking from a lot of the questions we get in the office from people. Uh, I mean, I, I too, just because I don't do this type of training as much, um, a lot of people are more biased towards like, okay, well, it's a lot of jumping and different things oh, like yeah. that. What type of other plyometrics or speed training do you implement? Uh, so, the, I mean, my favorite plyometrics have always been bounds or single leg hops or just a variety of different things like hurdling over um, objects or just going for different types of bounds. Nice. Because that's what you're doing in running. You have to be able to absorb that energy and redistribute it. Yeah, you yeah. Can't just absorb it up and then, all right, now muscle your way through. Do you think that's one of the main things that most runners are missing in their training from a maybe a tendon conditioning standpoint and making your connective tissue more robust? Uh, I think, yeah, plyos is definitely a huge part of missing. And then also just strength in general. Runners do not like to do strength work. And so to get them under a heavy bar for them to realize like, okay, adding a little bit of muscle mass is actually going to make you faster. Mm -hmm. You have to like kind of overcome that mental barrier. Right. Just like, how am I going to get my miles in? Right. Right. <laughs> but, uh, like we were asking before, like other implements or training that I use is explosive training using bands, being able to lift like a 50% of your max weight super fast. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What, so what would be an example? Is it so 50% obviously being light, super light. Are you doing like what's what would be like what would be an example of a sets and rep scenario that people would be doing where they're doing fifty percent fast? Is it like hey, I want you doing I want you doing ten reps just as fast as you can, or how would you structure that? So one of my favorite movements that I've just been doing with a lot of my athletes lately is um, I get them on the belt squat machine. Rogue makes a great belt squat machine. Oh yeah, yeah. But I've extended the platform so they could actually do reverse lunges off of it. Uh, so with the extended platform, now I have the bands on the machine as well. So at the bottom, when you're going down to that lunge, you have 50% of your weight. But when you get to the top, now you have 60, 65% of the weight just because of that band yep. resistance. Yep. So and I just have them go as fast as they can down and shoot up almost like they want to jump off the machine. Oh, that's and they'll cool. do like five reps each leg. And that's just for that explosive dynamic strength. That's, I mean, I'm, it's funny because I'm a huge fan of those. So when you're thinking bands, for those of you who are listening, it's not like your thin TheraBands that you get from like PT or, or rehab or something like that. These are, these are thick ass bands. And, uh, like if you Google or you look on Amazon, like assistance bands, which people use for like helping them get up for pull-ups and things like that, but they're super thick. And I think they're probably one of the most beneficial pieces of equipment, uh, a super versatile B they're they're crazy cheap, super cheap. And the, the fact that the, the resistance actually increases as you stretch it more is just, just really dynamic. Because so yeah, it's, it's following your strength curve, wherever you're weakest, the band's going to take off pressure and not add any weight. And the way you're strongest, the band's going to give you that extra little bit of weight. And That's, the bands come in all different sizes. Like you can have bands that are 20 pounds at the top all the way up to yeah. 150 pounds at the top. Yeah, it's that's so, cool, man. I, and I know myself too. It's one of those things like I don't do enough band work because they're super they're super easy. But I like adding them in bits and pieces here and there. Like, oh, I'm just going to add a band with my rows or something like yep. that just to add a little dynamic. But as you can tell, these chicken legs here, I don't do enough plyometrics. <laughs> um Okay, cool. So we so we got we got more of the endurance standpoint set up. It's going to be a lot more plyometrics, working on getting a little faster for your running, not as much on a strength strength curve. For those shorter runs, for those who want to sign up for the shorter run and be, be a little bit more powerful, how does that differ? Is that going to be mostly focusing on your big lifts, not getting up to 500 pounds maybe? But <laughs> uh, I mean, so all the OCR races out there, you don't need a huge set of strength. So everything that I just said, 
like those explosive lifts and everything you're still going to be doing in your shorter course races. I might have more maximal effort days where they're actually lifting to like their one rep, three rep max, mm -hmm. uh, trying to work on those. Um, endurance runners will still hit that, but maybe once every other week, once a week. Whether if you're hitting those shorter races, I might have you max once, twice a week. Okay, so a good, good fair amount. Fair amount. What's what are what are most of your athletes? How many days a week are they working out or train uh, training? It's it's hard because you know like everyone has a different financial um, true, system. True. So sometimes I see really good athletes, but I only get to see them once a week because they just don't have that um, availability with their finances. And then I see other athletes three times a week, and then. I'm working with people just in different states, so I just write them up programs. Yeah. And that seems to be the most um, cost-effective way, and I'll give them like five workouts for the week. Oh, yeah, that's that's huge. I mean, we have a couple of clients, uh, well, patients that then transition. They're like, hey, I want to get into something. I don't have anything set up. We'll do something very similar. I don't have as many many clients, but it's a, it's a nice option for those out there. And there's a ton of coaches, and now like kind of post-COVID, right. a lot of people are still working out at home, but they want the knowledge they just they just need someone to help implement it with the right right and that's what right i tell program. new people to personal training like i just try to get people like hey like spend like as much as you can up front right away so you get like maybe yeah. three sessions in and then after the month you could just go down to one session a week and then after that you don't really need us you just want us the most you can for that when you don't know what's going on for sure yeah the guidance the guidance at the front just like with anything right yeah the guidance at the front is is worth all of the money you'll spend because then you'll know what you're doing rather than like exactly. okay well i'll just do it here and i'll come back in a couple months and check in on how things are just get it get it over with yeah. in the front and then you won't have to pay it again yeah yeah learn something um now so with that so the plyometrics, not as much power, but I'm biasedly looking at this. When you're looking at the top people who are doing these, most of these people are strong as hell, right? Oh, yeah. Top 10 podium finishes for you multiple times. Um, Hunter, you were mentioning, dude's crazy strong and just a big <laughs> dude. I mean, I'm sure a lot of that comes into play as far as hard work, genetics, and different things like that. But for those that do want to be on that top level, what's kind of the focus that you take to be able to get to podium level as far as your training is it is it you just knowing your own body and knowing what the the holes are and the gaps that you need to focus on or do you take it a different approach uh I mean, you really have to find out where the person's weakness because if you find a runner that's been running since high school on track teams and whatever yeah probably just need to work on some strength with yeah, them you're good and, on that end. yeah exactly so you really have to find out who you're talking to most people focus a lot on the strength because running is the boring part so it's uh, can you get those can you build up your aerobic conditioning enough where you have this huge, vast foundation and then you can actually put it to work? What? So this, I, I, I want to piggyback off on that or actually go diverge into that direction. So aerobic capacity, what's kind of like, let's say for instance, you're taking, and we can have like a couple different narrows, but let's say not necessarily couch potato. I'm going to use me, average Joe. Average I, Joe. I do, I do training uh, with my business and my kids right now. It's, you know, I, I mostly get in like three to four solid kettlebell workouts a week, but I don't nice. do any running. I don't do any rowing. I don't do any like what we would consider straight aerobic type of stuff. Yep. What's your approach to increasing aerobic capacity? Cause most of us think, okay, well I just need to start running, right? I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to run three, I'm going to run two to three miles, two to three times. Usually the day. worst idea when people don't run, they're like, oh, I'm going to run. Right. Like, right. You're going to get injured. <laughs> well, let's say, let's say they're a little smarter than that. They're like, I'm just going to do a mile yeah. two to three times a week. That's not like a big jump, right? But aerobic capacity can also be built upon doing sprints and short intervals, which, yep. which I've seen you do a number of times. So how would someone realistically look at trying to improve their aerobic capacity by not just doing 
running or long steady state? So I'm a huge proponent for doing long steady state on anything. If you're not running, you could be on the spin bike, you could be on a rower or a skier. Like long steady state will get you that capacity that you need because without it, you can't build. Like you'll just hit the ceiling at some point if you're just doing yeah. this all the time. True, true. Um, so it's a, so. What's the? I mean, there's. I'm sure there's not a uh, a perfect balance. No. But what's what's kind of like? How do you structure like interval? When do you decide when intervals should be started to implement? Because again, we don't want to just say, okay, well, three miles at a time is not good. Mix it up, right. so on and so forth. Um, so when I was running a lot, ten um, percent of my runs were actually hard work intervals. Working the rest of it was easy pace. Nice. And what's 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 easy pace? Like, oh, this is another question I wanted to jump on, which is good. <laughs> so, like, when when you would tell someone, like, hey. I want you to go for an easy pace. Like, do you use an RPE scale? Do you talk about breathing, um, hyperventilation? What's kind of your interpretation? Tell I like to keep it simplistic because going any past that, people are going to forget that you yeah, had yeah. the conversation with them. So I just literally just told that to a rugby player who's getting ready for a rugby season. And he's strong as hell, but his conditioning needs some work. So I literally yeah. just told him, like, uh, for this week, he needs to run two, three-mile easy runs. And I told him, easy run. If you're running with someone, you should be able to talk to them. As soon as you can't talk to them, you're going too hard. Okay, perfect. Yeah, so, so that's my easy, simplistic like talk test. Can you talk to them? Yeah, I love that. That's that's perfect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, one I think you were talking about this. Uh, one way to do intervals and still get strong is secret sauce that uh, I've been using, and then Nell Rojas she's been using. Nicole Miracle, we've all been doing this. Uh, Matt Kempson, our kettlebell workouts. Yep, huge fan. And uh, the big thing we've been doing with our kettlebell workouts is we've been doing mixing EMOMs into steady state continuous work. So we're actually getting our aerobic conditioning, building that capacity from our kettlebell workouts, and I'm still getting strong, building a strong posterior chain. Okay. So what we've been yeah, doing yeah. is like I, uh, I call it an armor complex. We've been doing an armor complex for we'll build up to at most like 20 minutes. And during this 20 minutes, you're not putting the bell down. You're constantly – the armor complex is five cleans, three squats, one press, and you just keep switching your hands. Oh, nice. So, so you're doing a single, minutes, single bell just single back bell, and forth. Back and forth, Dude, 20 minutes straight. Those are my jams, man. I love those just like just alternate, alternate yep. back and forth and just try to go – all right, I like so, that. So yeah, so right, like we built it up to twenty minutes, and then we'll go into an EMOM, which is usually working thirty seconds on, you get thirty seconds rest. But we found like when I was wearing my heart rate monitor, I was like, oh sweet, my heart rate stayed perfectly in the aerobic zone the entire workout. Yeah, yeah. So and so then the the EMOM is that you just is that just like swings or something similar? Like yeah, less... we'll keep it simple, like swings, double hand swings, snatches. Um, yeah, snatches would probably be the most dynamic thing we've done with it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Dude, that's right on my alley. I'm going to definitely get onto that. Yeah. <laughs> my my go-to is again like it's like okay, I got 20 minutes, right? And it'll usually be like um it'll be at this point in time it's either swings or snatches cuz it's just the easiest right. I don't have to think about well, it. I saw one of your workouts and I did it was like the clean and press, double double-handed clean and press. Uh, was that recently? No, it's probably a while ago. It was oh, like okay. five clean impresses, and you take a little bit of rest and keep going. Yeah, and just like twenty minutes. Just try to go. Oh, sweet, this is nice. That's that's, that's <laughs> yeah. I mean, I try to keep it simple too, <laughs> but uh, but that no, that's that's perfect because it it I think. I think the thing is, is most people for the interval, because that if they saw that, they would be like, oh, this is interval training. And their first intention is probably like, how fast can I go or how right. hard can I go? But but the intention behind it is much different. Totally it's, different. It's more about how, I guess, what's what's kind of your thought or mindset going into it? It's more about control? 
and how long I can go rather than how fast and hard. Yeah. yeah. Every time I'm swinging that bell, not putting it down, I'm focusing on my breathing. Like, can I count my breaths and then keep continuing to go? And the fact is like, I want to build some strength and I don't feel like running today. So I'm going to do that. Instead. <laughs> so it's just another way to get your aerobic uh, capacity in. For those of you who don't like running, this is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Still run, but yeah, yeah, it's another way. Well, I think what's really interesting too is, I mean, uh, I was having some conversations with people. This was a while ago, nothing like more recently, but just talking about how primal walking and running is. So from, this is a, as in a sidebar, right? Um, uh, Dr. Ryan DeBell with Movement Fix, one of his questions or conversations we talked about was, what is the thing that burns the most calories that humans have been doing forever, right? Yeah. Walking. Walking. Interesting. Right? Just, but if you think about it, right, like, like we hunter gatherer type of not using like this, uh, kind of buzzword term. Right. But it's just like you walk for long periods of distance, that long steady state is and this is not like the example of like burning calories for losing weight. Right. But it's just showing a primal activity that we've done forever. Most people don't walk enough. We're, right. this is, this is in this, this is like the opposite side of the spectrum from what we've been talking about. We've been talking about more about performance and athletes. So this is not really applicable to that, but just coming back is just something as primal as just walking and running a lot of people don't do like nope. just start with thanks to the modern day office jobs. Right. And and that's like, people's like, well, what's the best warm up? I was like, well, I don't know. Have you got, have you gone for a walk today? No. I'm like, well, go for a 15 minute walk. I bet you'll be feeling pretty warm and pretty good. Right. And if you want to get a little warmer, walk a little faster where you actually are breathing a little bit. If you go at a decent, like if you, have you ever tried power walking, speed walking, you I'll start, get you warmed up. You start <laughs> puffing a little bit. But it's something that when it gets – I'm a fair weather fan when it comes to like outdoor stuff. Like I don't want to go running when it's six inches of snow. Right. But my one of my big things this year that I definitely want to try to start implementing – I did a ton in college when I lived in Boulder – is just more running. And it's it, – it, I just haven't done it in a while. And it's not that it's like anything bad or wrong. But as you said, it's more. like you got to get your running in. I mean, that's why I love living out here in Colorado because running the trails is way better because I used to be on the East Coast and just running on a treadmill all the time. Yeah. And now I can't step foot on a treadmill because it's just why it's mind-numbing. Yeah. I mean, it's and the trails out here are just absolutely phenomenal. Like you can get it where you can be like super hard or you can find something that's just like right. nice and easy. Best trail in Boulder would be Lion's Lair. I love running that one. Lion's Lair? Where's that? Uh, by Snedis. Oh, okay. So you run up the backside of Mount Sanitas. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the backside's better than just going right up the right up the apex. That's good too, but it's a nice like four mile run up, and then you got a fun four mile rolling down. My so I lived off a uh, 30th and baseline. So I used to run Bear Creek Trail over to either either NCAR or okay. just or just do Chautauqua. I love the NCAR repeats. The NCAR repeats were great. Chautauqua was great though, because it had that, that initial approach is just like brutal if you're if you are <laughs> running it, and then you just hit up like the first peak and then come back down. And then you get to take a nice little cold plunge in the creek. Yeah. That's the best. <laughs> um, all right. This has been super beneficial. I I have not done really any OCR racing, so I think this is fantastic. Obviously, if you live in Colorado, OCR racing is like blowing up. There's just a ton of events that you well, can do. Well, we got do. the Spartan Ultra Race coming to Telluride, so... Oh, really? I don't like ultra races, but I think I might just go because it's in Telluride. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> And that's the cool thing about all these OCR races. They're usually in like pretty fun places. Yeah. <laughs> so you always get to then just hang out afterwards. Um, what are what are some other thoughts?
thoughts you might want to leave people with, or we can kind of just, just like finish this up with what are some of your favorite exercises? What are some of some of the favorite things that you like to do that are maybe, uh, not as uh, I'm saying non-traditional, not as again, like the buzzword of non-traditional, but what are some of your, I'm just looking That's around. All the I, do. <laughs> I know, right. I'm just looking around at all the cool stuff you have. Like what are some of the newer things that you're getting into that you're playing around with or exploring? Um, all right. So new piece of equipment that I just recently got is the rogue donkey. Uh, it's a reverse hyper and GHD. So the reverse hyper for no one's whoever's used one, probably one of the greatest machines you can because it's decompressing your spine as you're strengthening your posterior chain. So you can do a ton of volume on it with having very little risk of injury. Yeah, yeah. So I so if you could find a gym that has one, use it or ask someone how to use it because that's highly beneficial to training. And I would definitely encourage you to ask somebody how to use it because we've seen people use it in the wrong way and mess up their back. I, yeah, I could, I could see that happen. <laughs> Favorite lifts, I love Turkish get-ups and I love lifting sandbags. So... Uh, or and even doing the bend press is always fun. So a lot of hinging or old time, just odd movements. Yeah, dude, those old time strongman stuff. What's uh, because I've seen you do a couple of Turkish get ups, and not that the point of the Turkish get up is like a max weight, but what's your heaviest Turkish get up? <laughs> Obvious is the point of max weight. Uh, <laughs> I lifted Kempson over my head, so I think that he was like one fifty five, one sixty at the time. Oh dang, my max. Dang, dude, that's solid. I'm trying to think. I think the heaviest I've ever tried was just the Beast, the forty eight kilo. Yeah. Give it a shot. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, we got a 56 too. We might we might be doing some heavy Turkish get-ups <laughs> after this. We'll see. I'm I'm in the I'm in the well enough attire for that. Yeah, dude, you're wearing the lambs. I love <laughs> the it. Lambs. So. <laughs> I forgot I forgot my shoes one time for a crossfit workout. It was Turkish get-ups and double unders. These shoes were perfect. Because <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to do double unders barefoot. No. So yeah. I had to wear something. Uh, awesome, man. Well, uh, let's wrap up. Um, where can people find you? Are you, so you're? Oh, we forgot. He's based out of currently, as you're listening to this, uh, gym number five in Gum Barrel, where you do Correct. some in-person personal training, uh, and then you can also connect with him to do some remote coaching. You yep. taking new clients right now? Taking new clients for remote training. Uh, I think I have like maybe one or two spots open for in-person training. Um, but yeah, in per. Sorry, what was I trying to say? The remote training is over Google Drive, so that's super easy and to get people to on it. And best way to connect with you, Instagram? Instagram. Dylan Moralia, Instagram. And we'll put that in the show notes too. We get the spelling right on all that. Super easy to spell. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, thanks again, man. Uh, this has been fun. I learned a lot about OCR racing and training. I think one of the most beneficial takeaways is just the aerobic the aerobic capacity training yeah. that gets, that just, it gets overlooked and it's something that a lot of people talk about is just like build your aerobic capacity. But I think <laughs> it's just done in such kind of weird convoluted ways over and over. So I think this will definitely help people, um, kind of restructure that and hopefully, right. uh, program and plan a little bit more accordingly. Yeah. I think just to summarize like everything I've been trying been talking about, uh, the biggest thing is train like an athlete because the modern gyms are set up for bodybuilders or like how Arnold Schwarzenegger wanted his gym. So yeah, yeah. we don't want to train like that anymore. We want to train more like an athlete. So run, jump, be explosive, and then you'll be more successful in the hobbies that you do or races that you want to get into. Pick stuff up, carry it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> cool. All right. Thanks, man. Uh, this is the Live Loud Life Podcast. Uh, until next time, guys, live loud.